Welcome back to Mox Madness. We are back. We're we back, back again. Doing it again. Doing it again. Uh, quick alert. They're still pulling people off the streets of Portland and Trump decided oh, yeah. he wants to delay the election. This has been your current events. <laughs> and and Bill Clinton's still an asshole. And, and Bill Clinton's still an asshole and, and tried to do some call out shit on, on Kwame Ture during a fucking funeral because that's Bill Clinton. Yeah. You know, yeah. No Which I mean, again, you know, doing that really makes it clear that it's not he didn't even support John Lewis. He supported uh later in life congressman John Lewis, who was divorced from, you know He supported John Lewis SNCC in the same way he supported the the version of Martin Luther King that we all have after he died. You support yeah. the defanged, useful for white chauvinism and, and appealing and appeasing your white guilt version of the thing, not the actual thing. Yeah, the only difference is is that version of John Lewis actually existed, but it was oh, yeah. later in life congressperson John Lewis. That per- version of MLK doesn't exist. They just made it up. No, yeah, yeah. They, just well, just you to know, browbeat. Once you murder yeah. a person, you're allowed to do whatever you want with their memory. That's sure, the, those why not? are the rules. John F. Kennedy wasn't <laughs> a, uh, a boozing rapist, and uh, and MLK just wanted uh, to hold hands and sing Kumbaya. That's right. Right. Don't you don't you protesters know how to do it peacefully? Yes. And again, I've uh, I've I've raged about this in another another podcast format, but uh, it 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 just I again this is a show that doesn't like electoralism. I don't give a shit about it. But if you do yeah. not find the glorious irony of a Kennedy primarying a more progressive Democrat and coming at him from the right, and yet you still trying to hold this like weird iconography about the Kennedys like they are anything other than fucking Republicans that knew how to play mm-hmm. up some some social justice motifs when it benefited them. I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to yeah. tell you. That's, this is pretty, yeah. pretty out in the open here, guys. Yeah. That being said, we read books here. We don't talk about yes. we don't talk about other shit. You, you go other places for that. So Northern Capital and Southern sympathizers in the North hailed the message because it carried no note of revenge or punishment and contemplated speedy restoration of political independence in the South and normal industry. So, and just, you know, for those of you who are not binge listening to this, because, you know, you may have lost track. This is right after the, the Lincoln is the only man and the Henry T. Blow and, and all that nonsense. That we just have happens, to so. stop assuming that people can binge listen to this because we're not going to finish this until midway through 2021. Maybe well, yeah. But if you have like 52 hours straight to listen to a podcast to get through a book, but that's you're going to binge it. In 2021, the neuromancers could be roaming the wastes at the rate that we're going right now. <laughs> like you're making bold assumptions that we make it to 2021. So like if the neuromancers find this in the wastes and want to like blast it out over, you know, want to go dog, full Wally. Yeah, the three dog radio in in Fallout Land, you know, fine. Oh, good. I forgot. Yeah, Netflix is making a show about that now. Thank you, Netflix, for systematically ruining every property I have any of. Wait, for. are you fucking kidding me? They're oh, making a Wally. No, if not. Netflix is making it too, there's Fall- probably like some Cold War shit. Oh, Fallout, Fallout, Fallout. Fallout. Okay. The thing that is ostensibly Cold War propaganda, Cold War, explicitly yeah. Cold War propaganda. Yeah. As yeah, they're they now ruining the Umbrella that, like, Academy umbrella for me. Shit. Yeah, there you go. Those yeah. jackasses. They can't make a show without it being Cold War. They can't make a movie without it being Cold That's just all they do. They're just, we forgot in the nostalgia you know, boom that the other thing yeah. that came with that fun nostalgia for Game Boys and and uh, NESs and, uh, and fun E.T. references is, oh, fuck, yeah, the Cold War was there, too. We got to bring that back. Yeah. Can't, cool. can't ignore fun. that. 
we've introduced time, McCarthyism. We've introduced time travel into all of our properties, and yet are still incapable of finding a better villain than mean communist man. Weird. <laughs> Weird. Now came the very pertinent question as to just how this freedom of Negroes was able to be enforced and maintained. Lincoln, working at this problem in Louisiana, in his correspondence with the Banks, Uh, oh, with Banks, a guy named Banks, sorry. uh, Uh, Lincoln in Louisiana, we know how this is going to go. Oh, yeah. We've seen this show. And Shepley, military governor, encouraged preparations for reconstructed state government. Banks arranged to elect state officials and accept as the basis of voting the provisions of the Louisiana Constitution of 1852, which, of course, allowed Negroes to vote. Oh, I didn't know that about the Louisiana Com- uh, Constitution of 1852. Okay. Interesting. Uh, according, accordingly, he declared electors to be every free white male, 21 years of age, who had been resident in the state 12 months and in parish six months, who shall be a citizen of the United States and shall have taken the oath prescribed by the president in December, 1863. So wait, so restore the, I'm so confused, restore the constitution with black voters, but then make the electors every white male. That makes, God damn it. Lincoln. I mean, that's, yeah, The total vote on February 18, 22nd, 1864 was 11,355. Do you think 1,100 of them might have decided to support the union? It, it seems uh, likely. It seems likely. Of which Han received 6,171, Fellows, 2,959, and Flanders, hi to Leo, uh, <laughs> 2,225, giving a majority to Han for governor. If this experiment in reconstruction had been attempted anywhere but in Louisiana, it is possible that the whole question of Negro suffrage would not have been raised then or perhaps many years after. But by particular fate, it happened that a problem of Negro Negro voting was immediately raised in Louisiana by the election of 1864, which which simply could not be ignored. Usually the argument concerning Negro suffrage after the war was met by an expression of astonishment that anybody – could for a moment consider the admission of ignorant, brutish field hands to the ballot box in the South. But that was not the problem with which faced General Banks and Abraham Lincoln in 1864. In Louisiana, where the question of Negro suffrage first arose as a problem, there existed a group of free Negroes. Their fathers had been free when Louisiana was annexed to the United States. Their numbers had increased from 7,585 in 1810 to 25,505 in 1840, and then declined to 18,647 in 1860 by immigration and by passing over into the white race as part of their Octoroon and yeah. lighter members. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not. Uh, so, someone the other day was like trying to think of a macaroon and was like, yeah. you know, that, oh, the thing with the, t- an octoroon. And I'm like, no, no. I don't know that word. Is that, <laughs> was that just some like horrible old word for mixed? Yeah. Did you not read, uh, uh, that's that, that one fucking. Oh god damn it! Which one? One of the fucking Mark Twain books is about this. Um, yeah, no, Octoroon is uh one eighth black or less, I believe. Octoroon is one eighth black. Uh, it is a designation okay. of. It, it was like a, a blood quantum thing. 
It was how gotcha. far down the line. Okay. If you're a certain amount removed. I probably, I probably did read that Mark Twain book, but here's the thing. I don't remember shit. Th- which is strange because all you do is remember shit about leftist history. So like, don't, don't try and sneak out of this one. You do remember things. I don't you just remember. have a very selective memory. I, I don't remember anything about Mark Twain except that he was from Missouri and the names of the books and that there was the weird dead body cave. <laughs> okay, things that I talked about on other podcasts don't count. You can't count those as, as retained knowledge. See, so now I'm down to two instead of three. It's even worse. <laughs> he wore he wore the funny white suits. He died with Haley's comment. He was probably... Uh, he wore... He oh, that's right. Him. He did dress like Colonel Sanders. Of course he did. Oh, yes. I forgot. Yeah, and he looked like Albert Einstein. He looked okay, like Albert Einstein mind. in a white, a white Colonel Sanders suit riding on. Yeah. He, looks, he, he would have fit in with that picture of Jeff, you know, Jeff Davis on the back of the Mission Accomplished. Uh, float. That's you know, right. He was, he was That's right. Out. And his um, name's like Clement or something. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Clement Clark something or no, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Octoroon, a anyway. person who is one eighth black by descent. Yes. Sheesh. Okay. That's a fun, gross word. Anyway, yeah. uh, Negroes in Louisiana in 1860 owned $15 million worth of property. The Ricard family alone in 1859 owned 4,000 acres of land and 350 slaves at a total value Oof. of $250,000. I like the idea that they nice. just get to assess slaves. Like, here, how how much is my person worth? Yeah. <laughs> The development of this mulatto group was extraordinary. Beginning under the French and Spanish, they played a remarkable part in the history of the state. The Spanish government, while in possession of Louisiana, had raised among them two companies of militia composed of all mechanics which the city possessed. This group of Negroes took part in the Battle of New Orleans in 1815 and was extravagantly praised by Andrew Jackson. No, you forgot. You misread that. Extravagantly oh. praised by genocidal maniac Andrew Jackson. You yeah, forgot. Yeah, that's why I was put it's off. I was like, really? Yeah. No, no, Andrew okay. Jackson. Andrew Jackson had a giant hard on for murdering indigenous people. He wasn't. Well, that's yes, true. Yeah. Okay. He, he, he had a special kind of genocidal hatred that was was a little. Yeah. Contained. It was. It was. It was pretty focused. You're right. All right. Oh, yeah, so no, anyway. no, extremely. Uh, they were the cause of an extraordinary blossoming of artistic life, which made New Orleans in the early part of the 19th century the most picturesque city in America. The uh, argument yeah, okay. is, is that they they embraced their their you know their black community, uh, made them a part of civilization. They weren't ostracized because New I mean Louisiana was was not American. It was not for I mean it's still a vestigial thing with it has the fuck yeah. it runs the Napoleonic code for fuck's sake like it it is not it is a unique thing and the, the fact that they embraced their their black. Uh, citizens well this led to a boom because there is there is a culture there and to say that there isn't is is categorically false and this shows it even on american soil well and that makes an enormous sense because uh, there's tons that when it not come from you know coastal cities out of sheer size of those cities a lot of or or atlanta just because you know the heaviness of the black population a lot of what we think of as black culture blossomed especially in the early part of the 20th century out of new orleans yeah. well you think um, about, i mean think of the other the other big time you get what is the other big time like if you're studying if you're getting the traditional fucking garbage midwest you know u.s history lesson you get like two periods where you'll talk about uh uh, black culture in America. You'll talk about it. It's like, well, we'll do slavery. Let's handle that one. And then <laughs> you'll do like Harlem Renaissance. And that's like it. Those are the two times yeah. that you will discuss any sort of black 
culture in America as its own distinct, unique thing other than and then they were stomped on for uh, uh, the other 400 years sort of a thing. So, no, this this absolutely jives. It's the one thing that we they will begrudgingly give black people credit for is, well, they're good artists. I mean, they can they, they can sing and dance and all that kind of stuff and make great art. Um, weird how they can do that with while still being brain dead field hands man the contradictions yeah we'll resolve those later hand wave negro musicians and artists arose eugene warburg a colored man went from new orleans to become a sculptor in france debolchit I think I pronounce it Debolse. I I don't know. How I don't know. It's du- it, man, we're reading du Bo- we're reading right. Du Bois when we shouldn't be. So f- French pronunciation well, can we, get fucked. We, we should be, but not in French. Yeah. Um, uh, became a musician in France, and the Seven Lamberts taught and composed in North and South America in Europe. Sidney was dec- was decorated for his work by the King of Portugal, and Edmund Dady became a director and a leading or of a leading orchestra in France, Alexander Pickle, which yeah, it's got to be pronounced like that. It's got Pickle. It's, it has it's to be pick- It's a weird way yeah. to spell Pickhill, but it's yeah. Pickhill. Uh, was a painter who died between 1840 and 1850. Holy, okay, Joseph- no, 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 no. Pause, pause. That's ten years, Doctor Du Bois. That's pretty You're, much Kevin when he died. Very, like sometimes we don't know when a person was born. Like we get a couple of years here and there. That's a ten year gap where you're not sure when that guy died. I'm concerned. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he climbed Mount Everest. I don't. I, that's what I'm getting. Uh, like all he said is he's a painter. There is. That's the thing. They're not going to expand on this guy. The only blurb that Alexander Pickhill gets in this entire book is he was a painter. He died somewhere between 1840 and 50. Moving on. <laughs> Joseph Abelliard was an architect and planned many New Orleans buildings before the war. Norbert Rilou invented a vacuum pan used in producing sugar. And as an engineer and contractor, uh, Rilou had no rivals in Louisiana. The general periodicals in New Orleans praised him, but seldom alluded to his Negro descent. Mm, I wonder why. There it is. Um, in 1843 to 1845, New Orleans colored folk issued a magazine, and 17 of the young mulatto poets collected the, an anthology called Le Sine. Sine? I'd go Sine. Yeah, um, Le Sine, uh, which they published as a small volume. Oh, they were um, all men. Hold on, sorry, just to clarify. So that was between what, 1843 and 45? Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Much like Schrodinger's cat, Alexander Pekill may or may not be alive. We cannot know for certain. <laughs> we cannot know for certain. We know that this thing, we know that Le Sine was published. We do not know if Alexander Pekill was alive or dead. <laughs> they were all men educated in either France or in private schools in Louisiana and were in contact with some of the best writers and literature of the day. It is doubtful if anywhere else in the United States as a literary group uh, of equal culture could be found at the time. In 1850, four-fifths of the free Negroes living in New Orleans could read and write, and they had over a thousand children in school. Among them were carpenters, tailors, shoemakers, and printers, besides teachers, planters, and professional men. James Derham, a colored man in New Orleans in 1800, now we're going back in time, uh, had a medical practice of $3,000 a year. I have no idea how to gauge that with inflation. A lot. A lot. (laughs) It's a Uh, lot. I'll look up a calculator later. Don't worry. Yeah. um, He was especially commended by Dr. Benjamin Rush. Oh, good. (laughs) 
No! What? Is, this is a ghost of other podcasts past. What the fuck's going on this episode? I'm going to get visited by Freud here in a minute. Oh, my God. All right. Well, anyway, no spice rub. Uh, below the professional <laughs> level were numbers of Negroes of ability. There was the celebrated sorcerers Marie Laveau, who um, about I, one that sorceress, but oh, sorceress. Yeah, the the, okay. the female version of a sorcerer. I've played a yeah. lot of uh, Diablo two. Okay, <laughs> Marie Laveau, who wrote about eighteen thirty five, exercised an extraordinary influence throughout the city. In eighteen fifty, Louisiana had a colored architect, six physicians four engineers and over 20 teachers in schools and in music as early as 1803 free colored men were admitted to the police force to patrol outside of the city limits oh boy that's a big game that's good now uh, here's the thing we do need to take oh, here a- we go to catch runaway slaves and stop looting oh that ain't great yeah that, that progressed good. exactly where we thought it would unfortunately I don't like that um now yeah. here's the thing we do need to take a small minute because we did okay. just just a moment ago Talk about a celebrated sorceress. All right. So welcome to this corner of uh, of white man tries to be better, uh, <laughs> better educated about thing that he has no business being educated about in most instances. But um, I was I was really interested because, again, the use of the word sorceress kind of jumps out at me there um, yeah. and, and brief, brief divergence down the good old the good old everyone's friend of Google Wikipedia. Um, Marie Laveau uh, was a very famous um, uh, practitioner of, of voodoo specifically within uh, within New Orleans, not. Not her daughter practiced hoodoo, voodoo, and Native American spiritualism, which is a, a fun uh, a batch. But this uh, Maria Lavu specifically was she's revered uh, within uh, folk Catholicism and uh, traditional voodoo circles. Um, she was known yeah. as the Queen Mother of New Orleans, I believe is her official title, um, or Voodoo Queen, uh, Voodoo Queen of New Orleans. I apologize. Um, but she has, she has some feast days. She has her own stuff. Um, but this is when he says sorceress, he's not talking about, um, like, like Harry Potter or whatever. Not, <laughs> I mean, this is obviously he referred to her in the same sentence that he's referring to doctors and other members, you know, esteemed members of the community. That was what she was seen as. And that was the role she played. And she was a highly respected person. Yeah. Um, she was also, you know, a highly respected, uh, midwife and, and within folk Catholicism, which is just a racialized, uh, term for Catholicism that, that doesn't, um, totally fall in with local indigenous spiritual practices with traditional Roman Catholicism. Yeah. Yeah. Such as voodoo, Santeria, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, you know, as far as that, you know, within there, she's uh, the patron saint of birth and childcare. I think it is. Um, and has these two mothers, mothers, children, fevers, love and volunteerism. There we go. Um, and, uh, that has a lot to do with, of course, she was, you know, revered among being, you know, uh, queen of voodoo as uh, a midwife too, which at that time, that's pretty well how you delivered babies. It wasn't necessarily something you always did in the hospital. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so that is, that is where that, if you're, if you're reading along and see that, that Dr. Du Bois is referring to a sorceress, it's again, very, very real. Don't just, don't just dismiss it and move on. <laughs> Look into yeah. it. Educate yourself. That's what we're here for. 
Yeah, it's what we what's what we're doing in real time. And uh, yes, nice also educate yourself the... somewhere far better than here. Please go ask someone that actually practices <laughs> any of these these religions or pra- full practices uh, uh, about this. Not us. Just know that I didn't want to let the word sorceress yeah. sit there um, and hang in the air. I needed I needed some closure for my own dumb ignorance. Yeah, I mean, ask ask people that you know practice you know folk Catholicism or voodoo or or Santeria or hoodoo, and you know ask them about the differences there because there's vast differences in those and. and you know about figures like Marie Laveau because obviously someone, Mason someone and I please didn't come know. on the show and just let us do a Marie Laveau episode. Someone just come on the show and educate <laughs> me about this shit so I, I feel less dumb. I would just appreciate it. <laughs> Open invitation to anyone who's capable of doing that. Yes. Back to the boys. There was systematic common law marriage between whites and mulattoes. The connections formed with the quadroons. I is that like the quadroon is one again? quarter? Qua, qua, it's the same oh, concept. So quadroon is it. one quarter. Uh, okay, is one so, so it's quad, one. It's one generation. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. Quad four. Okay, whatever. All right. So quadroon and octoroons were often permanent enough for the rearing of large families. Oh, good. The marriage was permanent enough for rearing a family. That's <laughs> this that's also. Nice this reminds me. I could. I think it was Puddinghead Wilson is the name of the Mark Twain book, and I'm not googling this to make sure, but it's, it's coming back to me now. The whole plot of that book was that there was. It was a nature versus nurture argument that Twain was trying to make. It was there was a a a I believe it was an octoroon child and yeah. a white child born at the exact same time, and they yeah. were switched at birth. So the octoroon uh. child was raised by black uh, parents. the 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 white child was raised by. Uh, no, the white child was raised by by black parents, and the the technic octoroon whatever we're not getting into fucking blood quantum on the show. Child was raised by white parents, and it was well, how do they converge, and how are their lives different, and all of this stuff. And then there ended up being some like subplot about some Sherlock Holmesy guy doing fingerprint analysis to prove that each of them were switched at birth. It got real off the rails there after yeah. a while. But and there then- was some. Then decades later, then decades later, Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy turned into a feel-good eighties comedy. <laughs> so, I mean, a, a significant number of decades, if I know anything about time and how it works. But yeah, yeah. no, we'll, we'll, a hop, skip, and a jump, right. and you're there. You're there, to right. Murphy. Nathan, you're gonna have to go. Uh, I didn't realize my battery was dead. So ah, start no, reading. Not again. Second battery dying of the podcast, guys. This this podcast is cursed and not. We are. Whew, yes. This is yes. not going well. All right. Um, so you read. I'll I'll look at wires. I got yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the connections formed with the quadroons and octoroons were often permanent enough for the rearing of large families, some of whom obtained their freedom through the affection of their father-master. Father-master! Oh, no, guys. Um, I hate to pause there, but we're going to labor for a second on the word father-master, because I don't like any of it. Uh, it makes me uncomfortable. It makes me sad. David's not here to give me feedback, and uh, the quicker that uh, conti- you know, if the longer that goes, the more you're going to realize... Man, I'll just talk to myself for as long as I need to. I, I don't. Oh, I don't sorry. have a problem with it. I'm no, I'm no issues at all. Um, oh, he's here. He's back. He's here. Yeah. He's here. David, do you want to? Do you have some opinion on father masters? Is uh, it something I like sister wives? I don't, I don't know. like that. I don't like those words together. No, neither do I. Okay, uh, but their father cool. and uh, so they 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 got their freedom from their father master and received the education he would have bestowed upon legitimate offspring. Oh, how kind of him! How kind of him! <laughs> When Butler came to New Orleans, it is one of those colored Creoles who entertained him at a banquet of seven courses served on silver. The secret, darling, desire of this class is to rank as human beings in their native city. Oh, what a (laughs) far-fetched desire. 
As the giver of the Grand Banquet expressed it, no matter where I fight, I only wish to spend what I have and fight as long as I can. If only my boy may stand in the street equal to a white boy when the war is over. Now, see, that's a reasonable demand. Yeah, This is a rich person. Yeah. Offering to go spend whatever he has to and fight as long as he can simply for the goal of equality for his child. Yeah. Now, I don't, we don't stand any rich people. There are no good rich people, just like there are no good white people, but there are apparently one or two exceptions to every one of these rules. John Brown is the one good white person. This may be the one good rich person because holy uh, shit, that's a Paul pretty Robeson noble too, sentiment. Yeah. yeah. Um, fuck yeah, I am here for it. The best blood of the South flowed in their veins, and a great deal of it, for the darkest of them, said General Butler, were about of the complexion of the late Mr. Webster. Uh, uh, Gotta I love it. I don't like those words. I don't like, don't like any of this. I don't, don't want to hear the darkest of them. That's just a this bad whole book is a series of words, series of words. I don't want to say, and that's we picked true. 756 pages of them. That's the weird true. sort of purgatory <laughs> I put myself through. <laughs> We make this bad was choices. The, <laughs> we do make horrible choices. This was the history of the free Negroes of New Orleans, and to this must be added their labor, cooperation, and enlistment as soldiers. Could the government of the United States allow Confederate soldiers to vote simply because they were white and exclude Union soldiers simply because they were yellow or black? Wait, when did Asian people get in here? I don't what know. What the fuck just happened here? Um, <laughs> I didn't remember that. that. That has not been brought up to this point. That is a curveball. Can we confirm? <laughs> that is an absolute curveball. Okay, just check it. Um, even if the Negroes had been quit- quiescent and willing to be ignored at this critical time, their rights were indisputable, but they were not quiet. The Negroes themselves made strong statements. In November 1863, the freedmen held a meeting, the freedmen of color, apologies, held a meeting in New Orleans and drew up an appeal to Governor Shepley asking to be allowed to register and vote. Reasonable request. They reviewed their services under Jackson, who called them my fellow citizens just after the Battle of New Orleans, and declared and they declared their present loyalty to the Union. For 49 years, the petition ran. They have never ceased to be peaceable citizens, paying their taxes on assessments of more than $9 million. Okay. Jeez. Um, $9 million in, in that time money, I feel like is That's substantial. A lot. That's well, we just talked about like the super rich three thousand dollar a year doctor. I would think nine yeah, million is no. kind of a bit. Yeah, no, I would imagine it's a significant sum of money. But even beyond that, um, I would prefer we not have to keep talking about Andrew Jackson. Um, it's just something yeah. I don't appreciate, and the fact that they keep like referring to him as like he might have been okay is uh is not not great, and I don't appreciate any of it. Um, no, no. So not, for the record, not my jam. No, not my jam. Not not even a little bit my jam. Uh, $3,000 in 1863 is the equivalent purchasing power of $61,380 in 2020. Okay, okay. So that I mean that's that's like 70th, 80th percentile earnings. That's, that's pretty good. Oh, no, it's significant by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. It's not an incident. I know if you were a doctor nowadays, it would probably be less. Um, yeah. But, you know, same thing holds. Um, $9 million in 1863 is equivalent to $184,140,714.29 in 2020. That's a lot. It's a significant amount. It's a significant amount. It's not It's not nothing. Um, so again, you're talking about people that are, are on 100, they've been paying their taxes on, on almost $200 million worth of property, and yet yeah. all they're asking for is some semblance of equality under the law. Yeah. Uh, 
But however strongly this petition appealed to Shepley, it was manifestly impossible to grant at this time. <laughs> of course it was. The decisive reason was that if Negroes had been allowed to vote in this election, they would have formed the majority of the voting population of Union, Louisiana. Now, I read that with death in my voice. There's an exclamation yeah. point at the end. But uh, I realized what the sentence was about halfway through it, and then I died yeah. a little inside. Yeah. No, no. I get it. I get it. So uh, we're going to pick off. So far as is known, <sighs> Shepley returned no answer to the appeal. For in the following January, the Colored Union Radical Association sent a committee to call Shepley, requesting him to recognize the rights of free colored population of the franchise. Shepley, unwilling and unable to assume such responsibility, referred the Committee of General Banks, but the letter gave them no definite reply. He explained later, I thought it unwise to give them the suffrage, as it would have created a Negro constituency. The whites might give suffrage to the Negroes, but if Negroes gave suffrage to the whites, it would, be, it would result in ne the Negro losing it. My idea, Jesus Christ, uh, my idea was to get a decision from Judge Durrell declaring a man with a major part of white blood should possess all of the rights of a white man. Here's that blood quantum right back. That's but your octoroon. There's your octoroon. Uh, but I had a great deal to do and a few men who wanted to break the bundle of sticks without loosening the band loosening the band defeated it. And the reason I, I went ahead and – oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say. Go, no, go, go, yeah. go, fire. Fuck, fuck off. Yeah. Fuck off rightly. The argument there is, well, I wanted to give them people that were mostly white the right to vote, but these, oh, unappreciative, whoa, just want everything handed to them, demanded that all the people that were paying taxes and doing everything else that a full citizen should do should have the rights of the vote. Can you believe the fucking gall of these people mm -hmm. to, to demand some form of equality and not based on my weird mathematical blood quantum bolt for knowledge bullshit. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm going back because I had to stew on this sentence for a fucking second. The reason he wouldn't have given them the fucking franchise is because they would have been the majority voting population. Mm -hmm. Your argument is is that the majority of people can't make up the majority, that would be bad for me. If that's the case, you should reassess your policy decisions, my sir. This is fucking insanity. This yeah, that's is absolute fucking insanity. Well, and that's still the reason for, you know, voting right issues now. And this is something where, I, again, you know, we don't believe in electoralism. And even within electoralism, I don't think anybody who's even approached coming to this podcast thinks like, you know, mainline Democrats are going to be the very far left or very reliable to get voted on. Right. Um, that said, yeah. even within that window. Right. You can't you can't even give black people their actual voice, their actual, you know, what they desire. Uh because, you know, the voting rights and, and, again, you know, mainline Democrats don't really push this that much anymore, even though it's very much in their interest, uh, as you can see from Stacey Abrams' defeat. But this is still the open uh, uh, the open policy of Republicans is voter suppression, and everybody knows it. And it's a matter of, you know, do your politics care about it or do your politics make bullshit excuses for it? But everybody knows it. Nobody's unaware of it. You know, it's one of those, like, cognitive dissidents – uh, things where you know somewhere Republican does the I'm not racist, but and that's that's one thing where like they cannot escape that, and, and they just work their mind around it and and dismiss it later. Um, but even Democrats don't stand up for it. And it's just levels it was, of abstraction. Uh, 
It's just yeah. levels of abstraction from the point. Again, when you do it as mm-hmm. gerrymandering and doing it on, on finite things, when you don't technically tell someone they can't vote, but you functionally tell someone they can't vote and their vote won't matter. Yes. They yeah. do the same and, thing. What and I think just it was- hits different. <laughs> Accordingly, the colored committee sent PM Torrain to Washington to advocate their claims before the president. Oh, guys, he's going to Lincoln. Things will be fine. Uh, the president sent a man named McKee to New Orleans to study conditions among the colored people. Lincoln was impressed, but <laughs> oh, the, the, the shade of a Harvard man is some good shade. Lincoln was impressed, but character, characteristically reticent and slow to action. General Banks next issued a call for a constitutional convention to be held March 28, 1864, to amend the Constitution of 1852. Remember when we thought the Constitution was a thing you could change? Man, I miss those times. Mm-hmm. Contrary to this Constitution, he based representation in the new government on the white population alone so as to reduce the power of the great landholders, and Negroes were not allowed to vote. <sighs> the total vote for the convention was only 6,400. When asked to the to direct the Louisiana Constitutional Convention of 1864, Lincoln refused and wrote, while I very well know what I would be glad for Louisiana to do, it is quite a difficult thing for me to assume direction in the matter. Ooh, wouldn't want to get my hands dirty, guys. Ooh, sorry. Mm-hmm. I would be glad for her to make a new constitution recognizing the Emancipation Proclamation and adopting emancipation in those parts of the state to which the proclamation does not apply. And while she is at it, I think it would not be objectionable for her to adopt some practical system by which the two races could gradually lift themselves out of their old relation to each other and both come out better prepared for the new Education for young blacks should be included in this plan. After all, the power of our element of contract may be sufficient for this probationary period, and by its simplicity and flexibility, be better. He continues, as an anti-slavery man, which he wasn't, we've established. (laughs) I have a motive to desire emancipation, which pro-slavery men do not. Again. He was basically one of those dudes. He's not an, any, he's not a pro or con anything. He's just wishy-washy fucking middle of the road curd. I cannot stand. Ugh. But even they have strength enough reasons to thus place themselves again under the shield of the union and to thus perpetually hedge against the recurrence of the scenes for which we are now passing. For my own part, I think I shall not in any event retract the Emancipation Proclamation. <laughs> I do love that that was a consideration on the table. All yeah. men are free. Oops and doodles. Take backs. Take backsies. Sorry, guys. No. Whoops and doodles. Oh, sorry. Oopsies. Oops and, oops and doodles. Oops. No, thank you. Nor as executive ever return to slavery any person who is free by the terms of that proclamation or by any of the acts of Congress. If Louisiana shall send members to Congress, their admission will depend, as you know, upon the respective houses and not upon the president. Here again was the same... Ins- oh, that ended the quote, sorry. Um, uh, the, uh, uh, so there, as you know, it's upon the yeah, respective it's, it's houses. it's not on now, me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's again, on the houses. It's, on, it's on the respective houses for one in ten of you to say we won't do an insurrection. That's all we need. Yeah. <laughs> One in ten. Here again was the same insistence that Negro freedom must be real and guaranteed. And again, the puzzling question, how could this be accomplished? Certainly not by the most powerful executive in the land. That would be silly. Du Bois didn't write that. That's my editorializing. 
Abraham Lincoln took a forward step, and by his letter of March 13th to the newly elected Governor Hahn, he made the first tentative suggestion for a Negro suffrage in the South. Evidently, the persistent agitation of colored New Orleans inspired this. <clears throat> Executive Mansion, Washington, March 13th, 1864. Honorable Michael Hahn, my dear sir, and congratulating you on having fixed your name in the history as the first free state governor of Louisiana, you are now about to have a, conversa- a convention, which, among other things, will probably define the elective franchise. I barely suggest for your private consideration whether some of the colored people may not be let in. Some of. Some of. Some of. Find a for reason. For instance, the very intelligent. I'm just going to take a pause there real quick. Just going to take a minor, minor detour. The very intelligent. Now. Yeah. Far be it for me to uh, turn slightly to Dr. Du Bois in his talented 10th argument and just be like, hmm, a lot of that right now, but uh, I won't do that. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be above that. No, it, it's, again, just how can we qualify it? So, yeah. for instance, the very intelligent, and especially those who have fought gallantly in our ranks, so the smart people and the veterans. Yeah, that sounds about yeah. right. They would probably help in some trying time in the future to keep the jewel of liberty in the family of freedom. What is this, a weird mob thing? What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) The family of freedom. What are you talking? Oh, my God. But this is only a suggestion, not to the public, but to you alone. Shh. It's a secret. Don't tell anyone I think some black people should vote. That may hurt me in the polls. Yours truly, Abraham Lincoln. Yes. Um, God damn it, Abe. Um, okay. So anyway, I found out that Trump made a similar comment on Fox and Friends. Um, he specifically the, said... I mean, he the, is good at saying the quiet part out loud. Yeah. He's very good. That's his MO. The, the things that they had in there were crazy. They had things, levels of voting, that if you ever agreed to, you'd never have a Republican elected in this country again. <laughs> Just... Yeah, um, <laughs> I love the concept that there is a way you can draw the map that it will make it impossible for us to get elected. Yeah, you ever think that means you don't appeal to the majority of the population? No, they don't no, care. No, no, they it's the brown care. people that must be wrong. <laughs> they don't fucking care. They, they don't. I mean, we know they don't. That's a, it's not a, yeah. that that level of it is not a surprise. And it should to that end. I guess none of this should be. None of this book should be surprising to us, uh, or, or yeah. to me especially, as is my role on this show is to be the one that is perpetually surprised and incredulous. Um, again, we know they're garbage human beings today, and we, we know that they were more garbage in the past and less unfiltered about it. So why is any of this surprising? I don't know. I guess there may still be some some vestigial remages of... Well, Abraham Lincoln was probably like not the worst of the presidents and having an entire book that might as well be subtitled why Abraham Lincoln is the dumbest human being alive um and and, and why he is just the most milk piece of shit ever. Um I, I mean it is it is wild. It is still there is still parts of me that if if for whatever reason you know being in uh, on the left for 3 years has yeah. not shooken me of every one of my weird other idiosyncrasies or, or, or long-held beliefs prior to this, I'm sorry, but th- it still is just insane to hear said out loud in such black and white, for lack of a better word, you know, in such blunt terms, yeah. how callous and calculated this whole thing was. This was to hold power. 
Oh yeah. Clear and simple. It was to hold power and to ensure that there was not anything that risked their their hold on perpetual capitalist dominance. I mean, again, you know, this whole book is what happened, what happened, what was wrong with Reconstruction. It was won by black people who were liberating themselves, and it was uh, just smashed and destroyed by white people who would later, you know, co-opt it as theirs. Um, and, and we knew that, you know, going in, but we didn't know how true that was or some of these details, and they're, it's, it's just lighting itself the fuck up. Um, continue on. This was character, a characteristic Lincoln gesture. You don't say. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> he did not demand or order. He suggested and incidentally adduced logical arguments of tremendous strength. By the way, and that sentence there made me realize something. There is a current president or president in our lifetime that that reminds me of Abraham Lincoln. And he's, again, one that probably gets too much credit for black liberation. Uh, Although at least at least. No, no. God, no. That that's (laughs) that's an insult even to fucking Lincoln. It was a joke. Okay. Uh, No, it's uh, Barack Obama. I listen oh, to this. Oh shit. No, yeah, no, he is the king of it. He is he yeah. is the king he, of it. He did not demand or order. He suggested and incidentally adduced logical arguments of tremendous strength. That yeah. Um, This letter of Lincoln says Blaine was of deep and almost prophetic significance. It was perhaps the earliest proposition from any authentic source to endow the Negro with the right of suffrage. Thus, with his unflinching honesty of logic, Lincoln faced the problem of the Negro voters. It was unthinkable that Negroes who had fought to preserve the Union or that Negroes of education and property don't don't ever undervalue property of the United States of the Americas. Um, should be excluded from the right to vote by the very nation whose life they had saved and whose property they owed. I mean, come on now. Um, on the other hand, unless a state saw this clearly, he did not see, uh, unless a state saw this clearly, he, that's so weird, did not see how it could be forced, could be forced to see it. He made the suggestion, therefore, quietly and secretly, and he knew that he had a slowly growing public opinion in the North behind him. To keep the jewel of liberty in the family of freedom was a splendid and pregnant phrase, and it had back of it unassailable facts. So there you go, Nathan. Your mafia sentence is is, uh, (laughs) unassailable. Uh, The delegates met April 6, 1864, and sat for 78 days. The convention was divided on the question of compensation for loyal slaveholders, the education of freedmen, and the at the expense of the state and Negro suffrage. Slavery was abolished by vote 72 to 13. An appeal was made to Congress for compensation for slaves. And on May 10th, the convention adopted a resolution declaring that the legislature should never pass any act authorizing free Negroes to vote. So again, you know, Oh yeah, you got your abolition. Oh, by the way, you can never pass an act allowing these guys to vote and we're gonna pay the slaveholders, you know, totally on your side. Um, Banks and Hahn, however, brought pressure to bear, and some 40 votes were changed, so that June 23rd, Gorlinski moved that the legislature shall have power to pass laws extending the right of suffrage to such persons, citizens of the United States, as by military service, by taxation to support the government, or by intellectual fitness, may be deemed entitled thereto. Many members did not understand this, but Sullivan in New Orleans denounced it as a 
you know what resolution and move to lay it on the table without discussion. It was adopted 48 to 32. So still with a bunch of convincing, it was barely voted that the never ever allowing black people to vote was struck down and you could maybe do it in the future as long as they're smart and military serving enough. Uh, before the assembling of the convention, Banks, on his own responsibility, had appointed a board of education of three members for the Freedmen's Schools and given it power to establish schools in every school district and to levy a tax to support the system. This order was discussed at the convention and finally approved at a vote of 72 to 9. Okay, okay so at least public schools were voted in a lot. That's good. Yeah. Uh, also, by a vote of 53 to 27, general taxation for the support of free public schools was all approved. Convention discussed a proposition of recognizing all persons as white who had less than one fourth of Negro blood. Oh, good. We get into blood quantum laws. Uh, uh, oh, we've been knee deep in no, blood quantum I, laws I, this whole time. I know, but I mean, in this congressional session. Um, but this involved two intricate inquiries into ancestry, uh, a matter which often in Louisiana led to duels and murder. It was therefore voted down. So apparently if you bring 23 and me to Louisiana, everybody dies. Yeah. No, uh, no, that's right. Yeah. Um, the expense of this white convention amounted to more than $1,000 a day and included liquor. Oh, the expense <laughs> this white convention. Nice. Uh, amounted to more than a thousand dollars a day. It included liquor, cigars, carriage hire, stationery, and furniture. It illustrated the extravagant habits of the time and was quite as bad as any similar waste in South Carolina when Negroes were part of the legislature. The New Orleans timer described some of the proceedings in the convention as sickening and disgusting and said that the president was drunk and a damned fool. I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> and that pandemonium had rained. <laughs> I do. Now, this is this is interesting because I do find yeah. it. Uh, we, we're talking about Linko, right? Yeah. The president was a damned fool. He was drunk but and drunk and a damn fool. Yeah. Something about that. Again, even in my conception of Linko, um, that doesn't. That doesn't that doesn't strike me. He doesn't strike me as a as a wild, you know, booze boy. Um, oh no! I mean, let, let's face it. You know, he he knocked back a couple bottles of shine, and then Cupid Shuffle came on, and he got he got his feet moving, and and had a good old time. It, uh, you do some do the old Kentucky hoedown. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> the Constitution was finally adopted, sixty-seven to sixteen. And the convention adjourned in August with provision that it could be revoked by the president for further amending the Constitution. The Constitution was adopted by a vote of 6,836 to 1,566. Boy, there was a small number of voters back then. Uh, On September 5th, 1864, a legislature was elected according to the new Constitution. There were 9,838 votes cast, and it was alleged that many colored persons were allowed to register and vote. The new legislature met October 3rd, 1864. The legislature is said by some authorities to have refused by a large majority to grant suffrage to the Negro. Isn't that nice? Ficklin. Oh, very kind. There's someone named fucking Ficklin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ficklin, on the other hand, says that no final vote was actually taken. 
Certainly the legislature was against Negro suffrage, and when a petition was introduced from 5,000 Negroes, many if not the majority of whom had been in the federal army, asking for the suffrage, no action was taken. One member apparently expressing the general sentiment said, it will be time enough to grant this petition when all the other free states grant it and set us the example. When this state grants it, I shall go to China. God damn, what an asshole. Governor Hahn made no suggestion, and when he resigned <laughs> from office, that literally she could just be like the subtitle of every chapter. God damn, what an asshole! The story <laughs> really of Black That's everyone, everyone in here except Henry T. Blow. That guy rules. <laughs> All right, Governor Hahn made no suggestion, and when he resigned from office, said that universal suffrage would be granted whenever it is deemed wise and timely. Louisiana had already done more than three fourths of the northern states. So we've done enough, guys. Come on. Just calm it down. We're doing too much here. Can't let them vote. almost all the way through it. What more do you want? (laughs) The legislature had refused to permit marriages between blacks and whites, and there was one attempt to refer to the question of Negro suffrage to the people. The 13th Amendment was adopted, and the United States senators were elected, including Governor Hahn, for the term beginning in 1865. Meantime, the whole problem of Reconstruction in Louisiana came up in Congress and met opposition represented by the Wade Davis bill. In Arkansas, a similar way by Wade Davis, the Wade Davis bill, obviously closer for the uh, Orioles. We're going with Orioles. <laughs> We're going with Orioles. Apparently, David, you'll be you'll be pleased to know uh, the same turn that uh, baseball Twitter took uh, roughly what five, six, four, five years ago when everyone in baseball Twitter just became communist overnight. Um, yeah. Same thing's happening in basketball Twitter now. Ooh, uh, it's going, the good. basketball Twitter is getting uh, getting very very uh, uh, lefty, which is fun and exciting. So so that's good. Need, By the way, uh, Wade Davis was the Royals. You're thinking of the Royals when they won the World Series. Yeah. All right. I mean, I don't. I I was never a baseball person, man. I was trying. <laughs> I, I threw it out there. That's Wait, okay. Miley, is that a picture for the for the? Royals? That sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah. I, I feel I feel like I got something. Yeah. Uh, in Arkansas, in a similar way, by white suffrage, an anti-slavery constitution was adopted, and senators and representatives elected in the spring of 1864. Yet after all, this was a general and preliminary, and certain details must be settled before representatives and senators from these states could be received in Congress. Especially the question loomed as to how far Reconstruction was going to be an automatic executive function, and how a matter of congressional uh, supervision you can't get your big government on guys you can't get your big government uh congress thereupon decided to lay down a fundamental plan the part of the president's message on reconstruction was referred in the house to a select committee of which henry winter davis was chairman the result was a congressional scheme of reconstruction the wade davis bill right that back to that royals closer back to the, back to the royals closer Passed July 4th, 1864, provided that 11 states which had seceded were to be treated as rebellious communities over each of which the president would appoint a provisional governor. This governor should exercise all powers of government until the state was recognized by Congress and restored. Wherever the governor regarded the rebellion in his state as suppressed, he was to direct the United States Marshal to enroll all resident white male citizens and give them an opportunity to swear allegiance to the United States. Oh, we're back to this. We're back to the put put your hands <laughs> out, no cross fingers. Them, yeah. yeah. Uh, when a majority of these citizens had taken the oath, they could elect delegates to a convention and the convention would establish a state government. Hey, First now. Of- hey, now. 
He upped it to half. He did. He did. At least That's it's a, a majority st- now. We're moving in the right direction, That's Ray Davis. Right. <laughs> Persons who had held any office under the Confederate government could not vote for delegates or be elected as delegates to the convention. I'm down with that. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, the convention. I mean, yeah. <laughs> The convention was to adopt a state constitution, which must abolish slavery, repudiate Confederate and state debts incurred by the Confederates, and disqualify Confederate officials from voting or being elected governor or a member of the legislature. When this constitution was ratified by a majority of the voters, the president, with the consent of Congress, would proclaim the state government as established. After that, representatives, senators, and presidential electors could be chosen. The bill also established slavery in the rebellious states, also abolished, I'm sorry, slavery in the rebellious states. Uh, (laughs) That seems a little backwards, but fine, I'm listening. During the process of reconstruction. Thus, Congress followed Charles Sumner's state suicide theory and formulated reconstruction measures which regarded the seceding of states and uh, territories and administered them as such by civil government until they were readmitted so again you know i i like this royals closer bill it's it's you know doing the state suicide thing it seems pretty good no it seems like very it feels like a decent compromise it It seems like the kind of thing you would at least do it's like this is the bare minimum you would set out and do we're up to a we're up to 50 percent have to say they're not gonna do it like, yeah, and you can't again, and you can't let the exact same faces be in power. I mean, how? there's nothing explicit saying like they can't be their best friend or vehemently racist, unfortunately. But it, it can't be the exact same people. So that that's something, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's impressive. Normally, when you find these compromise uh, positions, the one with the woefully untenable, radical, insane position. Isn't the pre- isn't the, the supreme executive who, if he got to make his own rules with no negotiation, was able to set it down? And it's uh, it's fun that Lincoln decided that ten percent was the way he wanted to go when there was no pushback. <laughs> this is like the epitome of the Democrats' negotiation yes. strategy, where it's like, all right, guys, we think we can only get six hundred dollars a week. Where do we start the negotiations? Two hundred. Let's, let's start at two hundred. Yeah, let's start at two and work our way. Yeah, that'll work. work. That's down. how we that'll do it. Yeah. How does this work? Oh, no, they took it off. Oh, they pantsed us. They pantsed us and gave us swirlies. Well, all right, somebody get the kente cloth out. We got to do some performative wokeness. (laughs) Someone find me the kente cloth. This bill didn't. No, not with this bill. We're done. Stop me reading. You always are. I'm going to stop you. It is literally if I didn't stop you reading, you'd never stop reading. Fine. This has been Mark's Madness. Yes. Uh, if this episode is managed to be edited together in any sort of coherent fashion, it will be. Uh, it, there is a the, then uh, there's a just and loving communist god out there that wants mm-hmm. us to be happy and free. Mm-hmm. Uh, Still mad at you, baby. Episode too bad. <laughs> I what? It's a, it's an out. This is where we have the episode. I don't know Fine. what you want. Fine, outro. Go. I'm not ending it early. I'm ending it on mm. time. Mm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> this uh we survived two battery crashes uh things are weird david's upset that episodes end and forgot how this works um, uh that being said if you'd like to send us feedback about how our episodes end and you wish they didn't and we just never stopped add to infinity um you can re- voice those concerns uh in our email uh, our email is marksmadnesspod at gmail.com 
You can also voice uh, any any you know immediate concerns in our Twitter DMs because those are always open. Our Twitter is at Mark's Madness Pod on Twitter. Uh, speaking of Twitter, thank you. Uh, Apartheid Emerald, Dr. Robotnik, Elon Musk for getting us another uh, 200 or 300 Twitter followers that hopefully uh, got to enjoy the show this Our week. Our very first show villain has granted <laughs> us 200 followers. Uh, I, it's, it's, I mean, I know you don't know we're here, Elon, but I appreciate it. Uh, appreciate you uh, just saying dumb shit it's to like get capital trending. It's little brand of nostalgia. It's amazing. It really, it really is. It's so fun. So funny that the dumbass that we made fun of all throughout Capital got capital trending in a way <laughs> that allowed us to uh, uh, get get some new followers. So if you're new and you decide to listen to like this as your first episode, uh, you're doing it wrong. I don't want to ever judge, but this is not the right way to do this. Go back and listen to like a book from the beginning or something. Yeah, uh, There's plenty of them. There, there's a backlog. Um, that being said, the best way if you want to like join a small little community of people that you want to talk to on the internet with and don't want to deal with Twitter because that's a hell site. We all hate it. Um, you could hang out in the Mark's Madness slash Dumb and Awful Discord. Uh, I put us first there because this is our show and I can put my name first when I want to, but it's technically Dumb and Awful's Discord that they manage and we're just allowed to hang out in. Um, that is the link is in our bio, but it is uh, Dumb and Awful Discord. If you search it, it should come up. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm in there. David, uh, has uh, unfortunately had to go back to work and therefore is not allowed to have discord for reasons I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> here we are. Um, that being said, I'm pretty sure it's disclaimer time, David. Yeah. Um, so something that we always want to do with this show is remind people that hopefully they're in some kind of organization. And in that organization, hopefully there's a, a reading group, um, you know, some, some places called reading groups, some places called political education, uh, whatever it is. Hopefully there's a reading group. And in that reading group, you are reading and discussing these books. And this can be complimentary. This can add extra context. This can enhance the experience, give you something more to bring to the discussions um, when your turn comes up. Uh, pending that, if you are reading this on your own, either your political education is going over different works um, or you are s- simply you know, not in uh, an organization that has a reading group or not able to make the political education sessions, um, hopefully this can allow you something where if you're reading along with a book, it can give you that, that reading discussion. And pending that, whether it's a book that – we read through word for word like this, so it becomes an enhanced ebook, or it's a book that we summarize, uh, where we become your clip notes. Hopefully, whatever makes these works of theory more accessible to you, we can bring that and, of course, tie it back to current events so that it makes the most sense. Um, and always remember when listening to these works or you know reading other works or these works on your own or in your groups that all of this is for praxis. Theory uh, is for the intent of sharpening praxis and praxis is theory and action. They go hand in hand. They are not two distinct things uh, or two distinct phenomenons. Uh, they are ways to bring about the same phenomenon, bring about sharpening theory and putting your ideology out there and into action. One of these days I'm making a t-shirt and it's just going to say theory is for sharpening praxis and praxis is theory and action. It'll be the only piece of merch we ever make and we'll just like, <laughs> throw them out of helicopters for free because I don't ever want to have to deal with charging people money for a thing I make. But uh, it's the only thing that's close to a quotable thing that we do other than apartheid yeah. emerald. Apartheid, apartheid emerald, emerald, Elon, apartheid Musk. emerald Elon Musk or, <laughs> we or, could say- or 
Honestly, oh, or, or NASC, two-time Daytona 500 champion Jeff Davis. God yeah. damn it. I want to make merch now, but I just don't want to ever actually make merch or charge The teacher people. would have quotes, and it would damn say, it. you know, it would say that theory is for sharpening praxis, and praxis is theory in action, and quotes, and then the quote would be attributed to not apartheid Emerald Elon Musk because he hasn't read shit. Because <laughs> no, because it's very obvious that man hasn't read Capital. If you haven't no. learned that, it became apparent this week, guys. Um, that being said, uh, this, this has been a disheveled Mark's Madness. My name is Nathan. My name's David. And we will talk to you next week, hopefully. Bye. Bye. Bye.